Hey, it's Clay. Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. And we are talking some new research that just was publicly announced here a couple days ago and want to go over it. Nothing new, nothing, assuming, of course, you've been a, a, a loyal listener, which thank you very much. I appreciate that. But if you have listened to many episodes in the past, then this is nothing that you haven't already heard. And quite frankly, even if you haven't listen to any past episodes. If this is your first episode you've listened to, when you hear the uh, when you hear the the research and the results of it, I don't think it's going to catch you off guard. I don't think that you're going to be sitting there saying, "Oh, wow. I I didn't see that coming." Or, "Oh, well, that I I would have never imagined that." I think you'll say, "Oh, yeah, I I can see that. I I can that totally makes sense why that would be a a problem and that would make sense on why that is uh, the results of the research, again, that was just newly released here. So this article and the research comes from Market, well, well, I take that back. The research comes from somebody else, but the article that's presenting the research comes from Market Watch. And the name of the article, the number one thing that people with fat savings accounts scrimp on that you likely don't. So for me, great, first off to the, the writer of this, very well done, that, that's a great title. The number one thing, People with fat savings accounts. Well, I want to have a fat saving account. I want to have lots of money in my savings. So, I mean, how do I get to that point? What's what's the number one thing that people with a whole lot in their savings account, uh, you know, scrimp out on? I never heard the word scrimp. I thought it was always skimp out on. You skimp out on something, but maybe it's scrimp with a C. I don't know what 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 term do you use? Skimp or scrimp? Maybe I've been wrong this whole time, or maybe there's both, I don't know. So what is this thing though? And as a subtitle here, it says, new research shows that more than four in 10 people who are saving a ton for retirement are slashing this essential expense. Now I'm not gonna read this whole article because it actually starts off uh, by citing Reddit. And Reddit, I mean, I'm not here to badmouth anybody, but I mean, it's a Reddit's a message board, and I mean, I can I can go to a message board and type whatever I want, and to you know give credit credits to they do say that you know assuming this is actually true, but point being, I just want to skip more so and focus on the research because uh, let's just focus on what is actually out there, and you know kind of what this is all saying. So picking up with the article says indeed research from TD Ameritrade. So TD Ameritrade, they are a financial company out there. Uh, so it's research from TD Ameritrade, which looks at people who save 20% or more of their income called super savers. So these people already save quite a bit. And the, the moral of this story is not saying, oh, well, well, of course, Clay, super savers are going to have more money in their savings. That is a fair point of logic. But that's not really the core of what I'm trying to get at here. I'm just trying to get at, all right, well, what, what were these things that these super savers you know, are doing that allowed them to actually become super savers, right? That allowed them be to be able to save that much more money. As a former engineer by degree, I'm all about efficiency. So for me, it's a, it's a question of, okay, well, I, I wanna obtain that same goal, so how can I be that much more efficient in obtaining it? You know, is there anything else I can do that allow me to do that exact same thing in the same amount of time, just even quicker, hence more efficiently? So super savers shows that the single biggest difference between what super saver super savers spent less on as compared with the rest of us was housing. 
Super savers spent just 14% of their income on housing, while regular folks dropped 23%. And I should note that 23%, that's not, I mean, that, that's not a terrible number. That's not a situation where you're gonna, you know, be living under a bridge anytime soon, but 14%. So that's a difference of 9%, 9% extrapolated out over time. That, that actually makes quite a bit of a difference. But housing, what's more, research released Monday by the principal found that more than four in 10 people who fully fend, funded or were very close to fully funding their 401k accounts said that one of the sacrifices they made to save so much was they lived in a modest home. Now, I always, I, I, when I read that, that just, that sentence stuck out to me. So the sacrifice they made was they lived in a modest home. I, I feel like, could, could you replace the word modest with a home they could afford? I mean, is that fair on my part to say, you know what? But yet, that's what makes this kind of bizarre is, okay, wait a second. So living in a home that you can afford, aka a modest home, is a sacrifice? <laughs> Meaning, so you have to sacrifice in order to do something that you should be doing? I mean, that to me, that doesn't... It, it seems like a contradiction. I mean, you should be doing that anyways. And I get it, you, it can be sacrificed in some ways, so I'm not saying that this that the author's wrong, just the way that read was a little bizarre. But, and this is something where I'm assuming you're saying, well, yeah, Clay, living in a home that you can't afford, I mean, that would be wise. And because you live in a home that you can afford, you would therefore be able to save more money because, well, not all your money is going towards a housing payment because, well, again, it's a modest home. It's something that you can afford. And this is where, you know, you, you see it quite a bit out there. I, I gotta keep up with the Joneses. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm caring way too much what people think. I see all this stuff on social media and you get a nice, you get a, a nice home, a, a very nice home. And then you become house rich, cash poor. And what is needed to save? Well, what are you saving? What do you use to invest into the markets? What do you use to invest that will grow over time? We won't go down that rabbit hole, but the, you know, the, the whole mathematical principle of, the co of compounding interest is a fascinating thing. It's powerful. But in order to make that work, you need to be able to invest. In order to invest, you need cash. In order to have cash to invest, you need to be able to save. In order to be able to save, well, you need to just have some money left over. But if you are house rich and cash poor, well, you don't have that much cash. So it's gonna be very hard to save and then invest and then experience all that compounding interest. But if you actually live in a house you can't afford, a modest home, well, hey, there you go. So if there's anything there, maybe, and I get it, if, if, you, if you're already kind of beyond the path of no return and, and you're in a, a house that you probably bit off a little bit more than you could chew, well, at least you now have some goals where you can start to focus on, all right, how do I get this house, you know, how do I make it such a less, you know, a, a much less burden than what it is? However, if you're somebody that's younger, younger, or maybe you're still renting, but you're, you're thinking about maybe buying a house, just remember, people with big savings, people that are setting themselves up very, very nice to build wealth and are already building house, one of the things they do is again, they live in a modest home. They live in a house that they can afford. And I get it. It seems like 
and hopefully it is just a common sense statement that I'm making, but when this research is saying and coming out, hey, you know what? When you, when you choose to purchase something modestly, <clears throat> cough, cough, that you can afford in the first place, guess what? Good things happen from that. And common sense just isn't so common anymore, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and this is kind of my way of just, hey, you know what? I, when I sit around and complain, nobody can be like, well, Clay, what are you, what are you doing about it? I, I do this podcast. I'm, I'm trying to bring this research to people's attention so that they know that, you know what? If that little gut instinct you have, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should get something that I can actually afford. The, the, please listen to that voice in your head. That is a good gut instinct. That is, and I, I realize you may be surrounded by other people that maybe aren't doing that. But hey, guess what? You know what? The research states that your gut instinct is right. This is exactly what you should be doing. And for me at least, sometimes when things hide in plain sight, such as, hey, you know what? You should probably buy stuff. You should probably get a loan, especially in this case. I mean, you're, you're getting a loan on something. So it's not like you're, you're just flat out. I mean, if, if you're buying something for cash, well then, I mean, that's, that's fine because you're not gonna have an ongoing payment. But I mean, when you're taking a loan and then you're getting a loan for something that's really more than what you can afford, I mean, that's, that's a whole other can of worms there. But sometimes, you know, the things that hide in plain sight are almost the things that, well, I guess that's why they hide in plain sight because you almost question them or you're like, well, I, I, is that true? But yeah, you know what? If you're looking at a couple of different situations, can you afford it? Or as this article says, you know, is it modest? And good things come from, well, purchasing things that you can afford. And then it adds on, so this, this is referring to what we just talked about, about the modest home. Along with owning older cars was the top two answers. Again, nothing new here, but we've talked about this time and time again. Cars, vehicles, car payments, just a disaster and once more, more data. Once more, more reasoning on why. You know what? Again, who is successful? Or is that somebody you should listen to? Well, of course it is, right? I mean, would you go and say, hey, you know what? I see you live under a bridge in a cardboard box. What's your secrets? You know, how did you get so, of course, that doesn't make any sense at all. But what are the people with the big savings accounts? What are those people doing? Older cars, a house they can afford. Why is older cars, why, why, why would that help them? Well, let's just remember what a vehicle is. It is a depreciating asset. Depreciating means it goes down over time. So its value is not going to increase. It goes down. So for when people are, are taking on loans and you take on a loan and you're paying interest on something, and think about it, you're paying an interest on something that is going down in value. Does that really make any sense at all? Absolutely not, it doesn't make any sense in the least. Now, as far as the house payment is concerned, this is where it's a little different because real estate traditionally, historically over time goes up in value. So yes, you are still paying an interest rate, it is still costing you, it is still, you know, you're taking out a loan for a house, but that is a piece of real estate and over time, Historically, like I said, that's gonna go up. So okay, paying interest on something that over time is gonna go up in value, that's much different than saying, you know what, let me pay interest, let me take a loan on something that is just gonna continue to drop and drop and drop as time goes on. 
And then people wonder, I, I can't get ahead. I can't save any money. Yeah, because you keep putting your money into depreciating assets. Not only putting your money into it, but again, you're taking loans out on things. It's a little different if you go all cash, right? Like, okay, I'm just gonna buy that for, for all cash and it's still gonna go down in value. All right, I mean, there's, there's no way around it. A vehicle is a depreciating asset. But I mean, to take a loan out on something and then pay an interest on something while it goes against you, I mean, that's like the financial torture chamber as far as I'm concerned. It's not fun to pay interest ever. I mean, but at least with a, a house payment, it is something that historically goes up in value. And once more, I mean, this is my opinion, and this has been my opinion for the past couple of years now that I've done this podcast, but the data just continues to roll out. The research continues to roll out that, hey, you know what? The people that have a lot of money, the people that have savings accounts, they drive older cars. And that's why, because they understand, you know what? I'd rather save that money. I'd rather put that money into the stock market, for example, where it can grow over time, rather than having to waste that money paying interest on an asset that's going down in value. And they understand that. And, and that is, like I said, kind of hides in plain sight. Well, of course, people that aren't gonna take loans and pay interest on things that go down in value will have more money. And because they have more cash, they have more savings and they can invest it in other things. Of course, exactly. But yet, you look at the car payment data out there and it is absolutely crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And it all goes back to this whole social media age of, well, I, I, I need to impress the neighbor. I, you know, when I, when I stop at a red light, I really care about who is next to me. I really care about what they think about me, even though I'll probably never, ever see them again in my entire life. I mean, I, I can't have them think and look like, wow, look at that person driving a car. Oh, in fact, you know what? I see some rust on that car. Oh, I mean, if, if that's your mentality, then it is what it is, but I, I hope you have realistic expectations that you will never have a whole lot of savings because, well, I mean, you're kind of concerned about stupid stuff that, that doesn't matter. Whereas, you know what, get a car with a little bit of rust on it or some rust. If it's an older car, that's all right. Buy that sucker in cash and now you have something that is still dropped in value, but at least you're not making interest payments on something that is going down. So those are the two things that they're doing. The research states, you know, wow, mind blowing, buy something that you can afford when it comes to housing and drive older cars. And, uh, so in the final thing here is, uh, let's see, where is it? Okay, and because housing is the biggest part of most Americans' budgets, it's extra important to save on it. Indeed, the average American household spends a total of roughly $60,000 a year. Nearly 20,000 of that is spending on housing, government data shows. So yeah, I mean, just realize that goes back to it. When the data shows that the majority of your, of your budget, when the majority of your spending is gonna be going towards your home, logic would then dictate, you know what, I better be extra smart about this then because if the majority of spending, if a, if a lot of my budget is gonna be devoted to this, then you know what, I better make sure I can afford whatever this is. And in this situation, it is housing. So just keep that in mind. Data from several sources all confirming the same thing. People that are wealthy, people that have a lot of, and to me, wealth wealth is about not what you can post on social media because that, that can all be financed by debt and you're drowning in debt behind the scenes. To me, wealth is, how's that savings account look? Do you actually have money? I mean, if let's say a $1,000 emergency hits you out of nowhere, 
do you need to now all of a sudden put stuff on your credit card or can you just be like, yeah, this is a bummer, I'm not enjoying this, it's annoying, but you know what, I have money here set aside that I can deal with whatever this unexpected issue is. To me, that's what wealth is all about, savings. And it goes back to, okay, well, what is this, how, does, how is this wealth attained? How is this savings you know, created? Buy something you can afford, when it comes to housing especially, because that's where the most of your, your budget will be devoted, and then drive an older car. Nothing fancy, but highly, highly effective, and I, I can vouch that, yeah, it, it works for me very well uh, to have something that you can afford, and then you know, just not to have car payments. So hopefully this helps, hopefully this, like I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna proclaim that I just blew your mind and you're, wow, I didn't see any of this coming, but as you progress in your financial journey and you want more savings, just keep in mind, this is what already successful people, this is what already wealthy people are doing. Housing that you can actually afford, quote unquote modest, and drive an older car. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating, that goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there and I, I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.